0: Thank you, Lord. Well, I'm going to use Valentine's Day as my main uh, illustration this morning, and I want to talk about the love of God today. And I just, uh, I don't feel, to be honest with you, I don't feel in preaching mode this morning. I feel, I feel like God just wants to impart something to you. I feel like he wants to come right to where you are and just minister to you. I feel like he wants to break some things off. I was reminded again in in worship of the message that Peter preached to Cornelius. And while he was preaching, he The Bible says that he talked about how Jesus, in verse 38 of chapter 10 in Acts, how Jesus went about doing good and destroying the work of the devil. That's the mission of the people of God. And that's still what God does. He goes about doing good and destroying the kingdom of darkness. Now, you don't have to raise your hand to this question, but I'm going to just ask you. If, if you look at your life this past week, this past month, this past season, and you see in your life the work of the enemy, you see in your life the, the enemy having his way in some areas of your life i want you to know that jesus still tears down those barriers hallelujah and if you'll yield to him he'll have his god will have his way in your life and the work of the enemy will be destroyed In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Now, a good question, if if you answered yes to that, a good question uh, that you might need to follow up with is, why is that? Because there might be some open doors in your life. There might be some things that you're doing that, that don't line up with God's word, right? And you need to repent of those things and get them out of your life. You need to close the door that the enemy has his hand reaching through. And you need to shut that door. And then we believe God to destroy the works of the enemy. Praise God. Okay, so let me get to 1 John chapter 4. In 1 John chapter 4, I just want to read one verse. And it's verse 18. And I might read verse 19 too. Verse 18 says this. There is no fear in love. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear. Involves torment. He who fears has not been made perfect in love. He who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first. Loved us. Isn't that a good verse? No fear in love. And so I, I, I said I'm I'm not really in preaching mode this morning. I, I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to come to where you are, and He wants to impart some things this morning. Wants to impart some things this morning. Want to tell you some things. About God's love for your life. First of all, uh, God is your biggest champion. Did you know that? God is your biggest cheerleader. He is rooting for you, He is in your corner. Romans 8 says If God is for us, who is it that can be against us? God is your biggest cheerleader. He is your champion. He is rooting for you. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, God is rooting for you. Now, I look around this room, and I know, I know uh, some of you had incredible fathers because I know your story. And what your father had was imparted into you, and they weren't perfect, but you have a good relationship with them, and, and it, it, it has been a, an amazing part of your life. But then I also look around the room, and I see people whose fathers were not, uh, were not good. By, just by the testimony that you have given to me, I know you grew up in a rough, very rough situation. It was not God's perfect will for your life. He can use it for his glory. But how many of you know that God's plan for a family is that the father the, the the father emulates the love of God to his children. Right? And so some of you had that reflection from your father and some of you did not. But I want you to know that all of you, every single one of you in this room, hallelujah, have a Father that is, that, that, that is good and has a Father that loves you with an everlasting love, with a covenant that will never be broken in Jesus' name. And so I want to welcome you this morning, regardless of of what your family situation has been, I want to welcome you to the love of the Father this morning. Hallelujah. He loves you with an everlasting love, with a love that is unbreakable. Praise God. And there's some things about that love. and, and, And some things about that love is this. It is unconditional no, the number, number one thing is that the love of God is unconditional. And it means this, it does not matter what I've done. God loves me. And the lesson that hopefully you learned as a child when you, you learned that song from, from a, a, a grandmother or a Sunday school teacher, you learned that song, yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Can I tell you that there's no greater love? You know, my hero in the Super Bowl, my hero in the Super Bowl is going to be that guy that when the field goal is kicked, lifts up the John 316 sign. I love that guy. And that guy is almost always there every Super Bowl. John 3, 16, for God so what? Loved the world. That whosoever believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. I want to tell you that the love of God is chasing after you. He loves you. He will never quit loving you. He will love you to the ends of the earth. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. It does not matter how you have failed. God loves you. There is nothing that you can do to to keep him from, to to get him to quit loving you. It's not going to happen. He loves you. And that does not mean that you're surrendered to him. That does not mean that you're a believer. That does not mean that you're doing well or doing right. Or living right. You can be outside of his grace. You can be outside of his blessing. He might not be able to give you his best at this moment in time. Because you're not submitted and surrendered to him. But it has no impact on his love for you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And He is never going to stop. It is unconditional. Are there things about God that are conditional? Very much so. There are many in the Bible ifs. If you do, then I will. Right? There are many conditions, but his love is not one of them. And I thank God for that. You can't earn your way into the love of God you can't impress your way into the love of God. You cannot, uh, you cannot do anything that causes God to love you more. And if you, don't, if you leave this place and have not heard another word, know this, God's love is for you. His love is for you. Isn't that a good thing to be reminded of when you come to the house of God with his people, that he loves you, he loves you, he loves you. You men of God, don't be afraid to open up your heart to his love. We don't have to be John Wayne Christians, right? We don't have to have a hardened, calloused heart before the Lord because we're men. Open up your heart to the love of God. Let him in. The second thing about the love of God is that the love of God will not let you stay the same. The love of God will move you into purpose for your life. God has a purpose for you. God has a purpose for you. And can I tell you something? God's purpose for your life doesn't happen by default. Some people believe that, well, God's will just happens everywhere. It does not. It does not. God's will in your life doesn't happen by default. You have to pursue it. You have to run after it. And in your relationship with him, you have to follow after him. The rich young ruler could have had God's will happen in his life. But what did he do? He loved his money more than Jesus. And God's will for that man's life at that time anyway, we don't know the rest of his story, but we know at that time anyway, he did not surrender to the will of God for his life because he loved his riches. And he chose his riches over all that God had for him. And I thought, what an adventure that that man was lining up to receive. Following Jesus, laying it all, laying everything that he knew down, giving all of his money to the poor, coming and following Jesus. And he sacrificed that adventure for the love of money. And I'm telling you, he missed God's will for his life, at least for that moment in his life. God does not want you to stay where you are, it is not God's will. For these, uh, we got a couple babies over here on this side of the church this morning. Don't you love the little ones in the church? Uh, they've got, they've got uh, more in, in kids' church this morning than, than we've had. And, and I love the little ones in church. Praise God. And uh, when they're small, you just. Oh, we got one over here on this side, too. We got them everywhere. And when they're small, you just love to look in their eyes and cuddle and, and uh, you know, when they, when they start cooing at you and, and you just, your heart gets all gushy, right, and you just go, oh, and in that moment, you're like, I never want you to ever grow up. I want you to stay like you are. But how many of you know that is not God's plan, nor would it be good, nor would it be healthy. God does not want you to stay where you are. The love of God calls you into what he has for you, into his purposes. He grows you. He develops you. He increases in your life, right? He wants your roots to grow down deeper. He wants your branches to grow up higher. He wants your frame to get stronger. He does not want you to stay like you are. And if you are stagnated, God is calling you to a deeper place in him. Amen? He is calling you to a place of growth, and it's his love that does that. When you get to a place where, you know, your, your feet are just, they're not moving anymore. You, you haven't moved forward in a long time. God wants you to move forward, and you're not moving forward. You're just staying there where, where where he's He's not wanting you to be. That's where he wanted you to be last year. He doesn't want you to be there now. And so you know what he does to, to get you to quit to, to quit. Uh, to quit being disobedient or to quit being stagnant, he brings discipline into your life. And you can read about it in Hebrews chapter 4. In Hebrews chapter 4, the Bible says that God disciplines those he loves. And you know what that means? He trains them up. He raises them up. And sometimes that discipline doesn't feel good, but it is motivated by love. Amen? it is motivated by the love of god he is treating you as sons and daughters you parents in this room have to make some decisions about how you're going to discipline and so i have i have i have uh, already succumbed i think to the truth that the next generation is probably not gonna do things like the generation before it. How many of you grandparents uh, look at your children and say, you should raise your kids like we raised you? I see a lot of heads going up and down. It does not work that way. Cammy and I did not do everything exactly like our parents. And our children aren't doing it like we. And oftentimes we go, you should. <laughs> but our model, when it comes to discipline, is God. And it's important to take verses like the Hebrews 4 passage and say, how are we as parents going to work out the discipline of our children, to model God's. And there are some things about discipline that when God administers discipline to my life that are evident. One of them is this. I feel it. And it does not always feel good. And that's an important element of discipline. Your kids should feel it. One way or another. Why? Because when they're 25 and they're not in your house anymore and God disciplines them And it does not feel good. Do you know what will happen? They will recognize that this is not happening to me because God despises me. This is happening to me because God loves me. Right? And you want your sons and your daughters to grow up recognizing that discipline is a sign of God's love. It's a sign of affection. It's why Proverbs says things like, like, don't withhold the rod from your child because you love them. And you have to pray that through, mom and dad. You have to pray that through and say, how are we going to fulfill this scripture? Because I want my my children to recognize the love of God. And And the love of God comes to you and shapes you and molds you. Now, many parents have gone the way of the enemy when it comes to discipline because you know what they use? They use fear. And I'm not talking about godly fear that brings respect. What I'm talking about is worldly fear. And demonic kinds of fear. And so they, they do things like beat their sons and their daughters. Or they swear at their sons and their daughters. They put curses on their sons and their daughters. And, 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 they, and they use the tools of the enemy in their discipline. And some of you were victims of that. And it caused you to recognize discipline as a tool of the enemy. And it is not. And so that brings us back to to what John said. There is no fear. There is no afraidness in love. No afraidness. And so, parents, you need to pray that through. And you need to say, how am I going to reflect the heart of God? Because I want to raise Sons and daughters that know how to relate with him. Now, I made a lot of mistakes as a dad. Imperfect. Very imperfect. And my kids, if, if you pry them, we'll tell you some of my imperfect stories. But I tell you one thing that we did is we took it very seriously. And important, this aspect of shaping and molding, and drawing parameters, and discipline. And it's because of love. It's because of love. It's because of purpose. God has a purpose for your children. And you want them to be able to respond. Amen. I feel the Lord right now. It's love. You might be in a moment of discipline right now, you know, shaping restriction. Can I tell you in that moment? To look up in your father's eyes and say, Lord, thank you for loving me. Because if God never disciplined you, you know what that makes you? Illegitimate. Illegitimate. But you are not illegitimate. You are a son, you are a daughter in the house of the king. And he's given you, he's entrusted you with very serious business. He's given you the keys of the kingdom, he's given you authority. To see people set free, read Isaiah 61 and see what he's given you authority to do. He's given you authority to bring comfort to those that are mourning. He's given you authority to set free those that are in captivity in Jesus' name. He's given you authority to preach good news to the poor. He's given you all of these tools. He's blessed you with the gifts of the Spirit. He's entrusted you with so much daughter, son, he's entrusted you with that in his kingdom. And so when he sees you going the wrong way and he brings discipline to you, it is not because he wants to make you feel bad. It's because he wants to launch you into your purpose. Hallelujah. He wants you to be effective in the calling that he has on your life. because he loves you. He loves you. He loves you.